Hello, and welcome to Weddings Unveiled, the podcast for your wedding planning process. I'm your host, Leah Longbreak. We know how exciting and stressful playing the big day can be, and we're here to help, providing you with information and advice from industry insiders and those with firsthand experience. On today's episode, wedding planner Jamie Wolfer shares with us what made her decide to become a wedding planner and start her hit YouTube channel. She'll also give us her honest advice about what your guests really do and do not care about. Jamie, I am so excited to have you on the show today. Congratulations on 90,000 subscribers to your YouTube channel. I cannot. I know. It's so overwhelming. And thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. So for those not familiar with you, which I can't imagine there are people that don't know who you (laughs) are yet, but for those that don't, tell us about your wedding planning business and how you got started. Yeah. So I'm a wedding planner that's based in Central Texas now, but we still have an office fully operating in Southern California. I got started because I planned my own wedding and realized that the wedding industry was not catered to people with my budget. And as it shouldn't be, I mean, I had a $10,000 budget, so most professionals wouldn't even make any money helping me. But I saw a need. I saw the budget community kind of being underserved. So I decided, why not? Let's fill the gap. Started my planning business at the end of 2015, and then realized that there was just large amounts of misinformation or not enough information for the budget community. And everyone just had questions. And I just wanted to start a YouTube channel secretly. So I decided to start it (laughs) with wedding planning, (laughs) tips and tricks. and, And it's all just kind of been history from there. What's the biggest thing you've gained or learned from doing this YouTube channel now? It's been three years, right? It's been three years. Golly, the biggest thing? One is there's there's a whole mass of people out there that are just hungry for information that also feel like they're not being heard. So it's reaffirmed why I started all this, which has mm-hmm. been a really cool experience. Also, I learned that <laughs> my view of weddings is not is not the same as everyone else's and cultures are very different. So I've had to learn to be very careful with my phrasing and just being, you know, aware that the way that I do things is different or it's also given me a massive schooling, a wonderful schooling in just wedding culture around the world, which has been really exciting. What's the transition been like from Southern California to Texas? Luckily, because of YouTube, the transition feels pretty seamless. All of my gals are still out in Southern California. It's just building up a new team here. So we're seeing it like a second home base, so to speak. So it hasn't been too drastic. Learning vendor prices, though. (laughs) Texas is a little cheaper than California. That's a huge, that makes a huge difference in budgeting. Yeah, because I would look at a quote and be like, uh, you're only charging what? Wait, (laughs) wait. (laughs) So speaking of saving money, you personally saved me, Moolah, based off of your videos. And the one in particular, (laughs) the one in particular, and I think it's one of your most popular videos still to this date, is what guests don't give a flying fart about. (laughs) Yep, that's the exact language I used in the video too. (laughs) Flying farts, which, you know, looking back, I probably would have... (laughs) phrased it differently, but here we are. (laughs) Well, if you want to be like, you know, nicer because certain younger ears might hear. But yeah, so like share some of these great tips and I'll kind of fill in where you saved me the money, but. I just realized after a few years of doing this that like there, there are a multitude of things that guests just aren't invested in. 
that they don't care about, that I would watch at these weddings and be like, do people not know that an entire layer of their cake is being thrown away? Do they not know that favors are left behind like crazy and then your wedding coordinator or your family is left cleaning them up? So it, it almost felt to me like couples were sticking to these traditions or what they thought were norms because they had to. So the intent behind the video was to release them of that obligation. Like, you don't have to do favors because so many people leave them behind. So I put together a list of things that I had noticed that guests don't don't care about and they're just not invested in. Oh my gosh, and the video, the cell phone video, you took out the favors at yes. the wedding. <laughs> so that's where you definitely saved me money because we didn't do favors. After I saw that, I was like, you know what? We're doing a photo booth. That's their favor. They can take home the memento. We get to have the fun pictures of them in this scrapbook that the you know person put together for us. And that's like a win-win. Yeah, absolutely. And so it's just, and those favors in the video, if anyone hasn't seen it, they're cute little succulents and beautiful little terracotta pots. And they're so well done. And they're at everybody's seat with their names, like a name tag sticking out of them. I mean, it was it was really well done. It was, it would be hard. You'd be hard pressed to think that you're not supposed to go home with it. And still over 50% of them were there at the end of the night. We're passing them out to people as they're walking by. I was just like, this is nuts. Take them. Yeah, I think I went home with 15 of them myself. What do you think would be a good favor, though? Someone's, like, really dead set on sticking to that tradition. What what would be something that maybe is budget-friendly and not a total waste? Oh, I love this question. Anything edible. Anything edible. If you have a cookie bar, if you have a candy bar, or literally a bar of chocolate, something like that where people can consume it. Maybe it has a cute label on it that is going to end up in the trash, but at least you know that those things you know, maybe they snack on it on the way home. Right. Or it's something that sits in their purse for the next seven days and they go, oh, hey, I forgot I had a cookie. Anything with a monogram on it, like koozies with your name, I know they're fun, but a lot of people aren't going to hang on to those. Or a glass that's monogrammed with your wedding date, that's probably not going to be something that sticks around in someone's cupboard for a very long time. So I love things that are edible. I mean, even honey or the little mini bottles of tequila, if you're into that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. The little coffee bags? Yes. Something that's consumable is a great way to go if you're interested in doing favors. What's something else couples tend to waste money on that guests just, they don't care? Okay, I get roast. I get roasted for this one a lot, but it's cake. It's not that people don't like cake. It's that it's made for your entire guest count or a high number of them. And by the time the cake is cut and served, people have already left and they're already out on the dance floor. So they probably won't be coming back to eat the cake. I kid you not, anytime we have a several tier cake, there is a generous chunk that's being thrown away after we've saved the top tier because there's just no one there to eat it. And on top of that, there are people that don't like cake. I happen to be someone who's just not super invested in it. I'm not a very sweets type person, which it's not my personal opinion that's framing the whole cake setup, but but it's just It's sad to see because I know how much couples spend on it, but there's nothing else for us to do. We don't have a box. Do you want to go home with two tiers of your cake? Like, what do you, what would you prefer we do in this situation? So I just see a lot left over afterwards. We're not huge cake people either, my husband and I. So what we did was there was like the two small layers that like we cut into for the whole thing and you had the top to take home. And then the rest of it was like these Flintstone push-up pops, but they were cake. Yes. And they had a lid to it. So you could walk around with it. You could shove it in your purse. And it it went like that, like gone, right? But we also, like, we really listened to our wedding planner and the baker when it came to don't don't get X amount. Like, don't think you have to have X amount because of per person. Yeah. 
put it in half because most people aren't going to. Yeah. I think a lot of people budget thinking, okay, I have a hundred people, so I'm gonna have a hundred slices, but only like 40 eat it. <laughs> yeah. And that I also think that varying up the desserts that you're offering, you're gonna please a lot more palates. I love dessert tables or dessert tables that have snacks, maybe you have pretzels and popcorn. So you still get that full table effect that you're looking for, but now you're pleasing a myriad of palates instead of, you know, let's say the 60% of your guests that actually like cake that have stuck around, you're right, it's gone from 100 down to 40 people. So you've bought a cake for 100 people and 60% of that's getting wasted. Are you a huge proponent for the sheet cake? The secret sheet cake in the back? Okay, here's my deal about the sheet cake in the back. And it might be controversial. My cousin is a wedding baker. So I, this is what she does. She does dessert tables specifically. And she said that a sheet cake doesn't cost any less time or any less materials. It's not, it's not that it's astronomically less expensive. Sure, maybe you don't need to stack it or the frosting doesn't need to be as well done, but it's still all the same ingredients. So some people may charge less for a sheet cake. Yes, there are definitely bakers out there that do that. But other bakers go, I'm, I'm literally not saving money by making you a sheet cake. It's the same exact thing. So I think it's worth asking your baker about it specifically. Yeah, because like if you're still wanting fondant, it's still going to cost what fondant costs. Yes, precisely. <laughs> <laughs> What's something else couples really should just not waste their money on? Here's one thing I've learned from having my channel. It's a careful line of like, who considers it to be pointless? Because your guests may not be invested in it, but if cake is your number one thing on your wedding day, you do you, sis. Just don't do it because people expect you to do it. Oh, amen. Another thing is stationery or paper goods for your wedding. Your guests aren't going to care if you have a program or not. Most of your invitations will end up in the trash. There will be a portion of your guests that save them. If your invitation is important to you, mine was important to me. I handmade every single stinking one of my invitations, all right? I had wood paper. I got a custom stamp. I went wow. I went in. I went hard. <laughs> but I also didn't fool myself into thinking that other people would be just as invested as I was. I chose to make that financial decision because it was important to me. A majority of your guests will not care about any of your stationary goods, programs, escort cards, invitations. If you do a full invitation suite or if you do a digital invite, most of them will not care. So I think that's an area that people feel pressured to spend a lot of money. I spent a lot of money on mine, but that's because I chose to and it was important to me. And yeah, I still have like seven of them saved because I love my wedding invitation that much. But that, that doesn't mean that my guests do too. So with the escort cards, because you still have to let people know where to sit and kind of go, are you more in favor of couples spending money on more of these, like, it's the mini bottle of wine or liquor with their name on it so they can, like, drink it at their table and know where they have to go, or, like, the donut walls? Is that something you think is more because interactive, or you think it's still, like, eh? Well, I don't think, I, I don't hate escort cards in general. If you have to have assigned seating, that's a great way of communicating that. Actually, wait, I, I don't prefer escort cards because the second the wind kicks up, your girl is chasing those everywhere. <laughs> so, so preferably if you're going to do an escort card, attach it to something or maybe you're inside. Make your coordinator's life just a little bit easier. I love the idea of combining an escort card with the favor. So like a little bottle of wine or, you know, a little shot of tequila, whatever it happens to be. Or maybe I had one client that did chapstick and everyone got a Burt's Bees chapstick. So they were held oh. down by the weight of it. So it was cool. But you can also just do a giant seating chart. It's that you don't need to get the gold filigree, handmade paper, 
you know, going really, really far out, unless that's a precious moment for you and you want that photo captured and that's that's an important element, no one or almost no one will notice. If I showed up at your wedding, I would totally notice. I'd be like, oh my gosh, those are so cool, but how, does, how much do those cost? So it's not the cards that I hate necessarily. They have a purpose. It's just, you don't need to go all out. My name is Cindy Burnett, and each week I interview at least two traditionally published authors on my podcast, Thoughts from a Page. We talk spoiler-free about their books, so you can listen whether you have read the book or not. And then we delve into things that you most likely won't hear about anywhere else. The importance of the cover design, why they included various aspects of the story, personal details about both the books and the author's lives, and so much more. You can find the podcast on every major platform and learn more about it on my website, thoughtsfromapage.com. Thanks so much for checking it out. Let's move to the positive side. What are some things that couples should consider because guests do notice or, or might enjoy and you can do it without blowing your whole budget? I think you got to start off with basic needs of people. If someone is hungry, if they are too hot, if they are too cold, or dare I say it, if they're bored, they will want to leave. So I don't want to put that out there and make people feel like they have this huge amount of pressure to entertain and dance and get everyone involved. Don't feel the pressure to do that. But if you, if you don't take care of a guest's basic needs, if there aren't enough restrooms, if you run out of water, if it takes an hour and a half from first plate to, you know, maybe the second to last table, people are going to get antsy and then they're just going to want to go because they're hungry or they've sat still for so long. So that goes for toast going for too long or cocktail hour being three hours or those sorts of things where it's like, and it sounds a little harsh, but if you can kind of pull it back to if they're not entertained, there's a chance they will leave. It'll help you to refocus everything, take care of people's basic needs first, and then you can add on top of that. What do you find like with COVID and everything? Obviously it's made everything in weddings change, but what do you think has been the most positive impact from going through everything with the pandemic? I think giving couples permission to let go of a traditional wedding picture, like the traditional idea of a wedding. It's really caused it down, like we've boiled it down to the meat, to the essentials, to what really matters. It's also given couples permission to have a, a mini-money guess what? It could just be you and your parents and it still counts. Or you could just go to the courthouse and sign a piece of paper and celebrate later. I think introverts around the world <laughs> have celebrated this season because they could have a tiny little service and then, you know, eat a sweet little dinner together and not have to worry about all of these pressures. One of my favorite things is watching couples recognize or realize that they've been given permission to cut away the things that they don't want. We've been so entrenched in tradition for so long, and with good reason. I think there's a lot of beauty in tradition. But now that we're in 2021, it's giving people permission to break free of that. So I think, although, you know, the Rona didn't do great things for the wedding industry, I think it's given a lot of couples just pause and purpose and lets them off the hook for what they feel like they had to do. What advice do you want to give couples out there playing their wedding? One biggest piece of advice. I know there's a lot to give. There's but. <laughs> so much to give. But if you could only give one piece of advice, what would it be? Write down your top three priorities. Write those down. Is it going to be hanging out with your guests? Is it going to be rocking out on the dance floor? Is it going to be photography? 
Is it going to be having a moment alone on your wedding day? Just write down your top three things. You can do it with your spouse-to-be or separately and then come together and figure out what the most important things are. And then look at those and say, what products, services, or vendors will most help me achieve those three things? And that's where you put your focus. That's where you put your money. That's where you put your time because we're not just spending money on your wedding. You're spending time. There's more currencies than just finances here. Absolutely. If you can maintain your priorities and anytime it gets stressful, just pull yourself back to those three things, the most pure things that you want to have happen on your wedding day or the things that are most important to you. Heck, I even had one bride say her dress was one of the most important things and that's okay. So we made sure that she had a bunch of time to go shopping for it. And she actually ended up getting a custom one and it was one of the best dresses I've ever seen. So write down your priorities and bring yourself back to that anytime things start to get a little bit overhead. You have planned so many weddings and been a part of so many weddings. No matter what, what is your favorite moment in a wedding? Oh, okay. I'm such a goober. (laughs) (laughs) I get teary-eyed, if not full-on cry, (laughs) at a majority of our weddings. It's the first dance for me. Doesn't matter if it's sweet, if it's silly. I always pull my phone out and text my husband and tell him that I love him. And I know it's so, it's it's cheesy. It's borderline cringe. But for me, it's like, this is why I do what I do because hopefully they are on the path and they're going to be where my husband and I now are. And I just want to keep reminding myself of where we started and how far we've come. And the fact that I just get to be a part of someone's big day and they trusted me with that. And now they've made it to their first dance. I'm like, it's going to be a party from here on out. Everything's great. So that that's probably my favorite moment. As a fellow cheese ball, I love that. I know. <laughs> what was your, the song that you and your husband danced to for your first dance? I Don't Dance by Lee Bryce. Because he doesn't dance and he <laughs> hates dancing. And yet for our wedding day, we danced to that, which was really sweet. But that's okay because we ended up walking in. Our grand entrance song was Ramstein. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I got mine and he got his. All right. <laughs> I love that. That's hilarious. (laughs) Jamie, where can we get more information on you and all that you have to offer? Oh, well, you can find us on, well, actually, we're in the middle of a rebrand. So we're going to be JW Coordination for a couple more months, and then we will be Wolfer and Company, because I didn't like the connotation that we were just coordination. (laughs) So you can find us on Instagram. If you want to find me on YouTube, obviously, just my name, Jamie Wolfer. I just started TikTok, so like I'm trying to be like really cool. So we're Wolfer and Company (laughs) over there. It's a hot mess until the rebrand's done. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you so much for being with us today. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Thanks for listening to Weddings Unveiled. Make sure you follow the show on your favorite podcast app so you never miss an episode and follow Weddings Unveiled on social media. This has been a production of Evergreen Podcasts. A special thank you to executive producers David Moss and Gerardo Orlando, production director Bridget Coyne, and audio engineer Eric Coltnow. Don't forget to enjoy the journey. Enjoy the journey.